Here's the scenario. Kathleen Kennedy has locked the three of us in a writer's room, and we cannot leave until we come out with a pitch for Kenobi Season 2. There are time codes down in the description if you'd like to jump around different points in the episode. We're also joined by Matt. Thank you for joining us, Matt. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to everyone, where we review content across all mediums of media, movies, TV shows, video games, and beyond to give you the most interesting behind-the-scenes insights, storytelling techniques, all that jazz, and more. We go over everything from Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, Disney, and more. Without further ado, let's jump right into the show. All right, so my first question is, what does this room look like that we're locked in, in Kathleen Kennedy's basement? Is it like a Lucasfilm-like sex dungeon kind of thing? Like, Why are you interested in sex dungeon? Interesting that your first thought was sex dungeon. Well, I was thinking, yeah, like, it is interesting, but I'm thinking, would Slave Leia be more an acceptable kink there? Like, they have the props for it, maybe. Jake, are you, like, okay? Like, you, I'm down you bad, jumped man. straight into the sexual <laughs> undertone. <laughs> Anyways, let's forget about that. So, we're pitching Kenobi Season 2. The point of this, the kind of outline, I talked about this with these guys before, we're kind of spitball a bunch of like random ideas out stuff that would be cool to see and kind of go off that and then the second half we're going to be kind of pitching and forming like an outline of a script that we would like ideally pitch at the end we would have like this outline we would pitch to kathleen kennedy lucasfilm and they would make us millionaires i also like how we didn't make any edits to like the room that we're in we're just kind of stuck in the sex dungeon now, oh yeah so, so we are it's canon it. now it's been too long we can't change it's it that's, that's the only thing in kathleen kennedy's basement yeah <laughs> yeah we're just stuck there now so yeah all right, so let's kind of talk about, I guess, where we wrapped up with Kenobi Season 1, right? Yeah. Also, May Matt's here. I, hello. I feel like I've been kind of talking to you. How's it going? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm glad to be back, you know. Yeah, Matt was on our Rebels episode uh, right before Kenobi like came out. We watched Rebels for the first time, Daniel and I, yeah. and we kind of talked about that. So Matt, Matt is a Star Wars expert, so I feel like it was a good guest to have on, uh, on this episode. So yeah, Kenobi kind of ended where, like, I feel like it was a complete story, you know? Um, so I think that's a challenge we got to approach here is, like, I don't want to tell season two just because I want it to be. I think we should make try to make a story that like makes sense Agreed. and adds value to our understanding mm-hmm. of Kenobi. How long should it be? How long do we want this to be? Do we want it to be like six episodes again, or do we want it to be shorter, or do we want it to be longer? I mean, it depends on the story, but six episodes is kind of what Disney Plus greenlights a lot, you know, Kathleen. Yeah. And and I mean, I guess it also depends on the runtime of the episode too. Like at least like when I was watching episode like or Kenobi and like thinking about all of the episodes and whatnot. And thinking about just Kenobi's story in general, like this does kind of seem like a side quest in and of itself. Yeah. Like, and and bear with me just for a second for this, because like when we think of Kenobi, like in the desert, like meditating, figuring out who he is, trying this transition, but we think of him trying to like evolve into this new state. And so this whole him going off Tatooine and rescuing Leia, this does seem like completely off script from what we've kind of just associated with Kenobi in this time frame in between episode three and episode four. For me, it kind of seemed like, oh, this is like an amazing story or like, you know, it's it's the Kenobi DLC package. Okay, <laughs> interesting. I like, that. I like that definition of it. Because it fits, it makes sense. I know what you mean. Wait, wait, sorry. But just go back to your thing. I like to imagine in the sex dungeon that we're in, just on the wall, it says... Uh, you, this has to be six episodes or something. I don't know. We don't, again, we don't have to do that, but I'm just imagining that's like the only other thing on the wall. I mean, to me, the length doesn't necessarily matter. It's about how you use it. As long as it benefits the story. I need to get my yeah. head out of the so- gutter. So- <laughs> Jake, Jake's in the dungeon. Daniel and I are going to talk to Kenobi. Jake's going to come in with some Yeah, much. maybe it's just me locked in the sex dungeon. You guys are actually in like a writer's room. I'm just like shouting through like a vent. <laughs> okay, but yeah, so Kenobi kind of ended. He like ex- forgave himself for the fall of the Empire. And I think that, w- that was a bridge we talked about last time. Like, I feel like Kenobi was a story of Obi-Wan forgiving himself. Yeah. At least season one. Forgiving himself for the events of episode three and accepting like what is the the new and kind of forgiving himself so that he can become kind of Alec Guinness his version of Obi-Wan episode four which is kind of more like jovial and, and just like laid back not super like depressed as depressed as Obi-Wan was in the beginning of the Kenobi series um, yeah so mm-hmm. what needs to happen I feel like again to bridge from where he's at at end of Kenobi to episode four because I think I mean Qui-Gon's training is something that yeah. like they kind of left open ended. Would you guys mm-hmm. want to see that in a season two? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think, feel like it needs to be touched on definitely. I think that that needs to be like essentially the start of season two. And I definitely think that it needs to like not start off well. Like I think it needs to not go great. Like okay. I, I'm imagining that their training sequence is like 
they just have like the background music of Mulan's Make a Man Out of You. And it's just Obi-Wan <laughs> trying to do all of these things. Qui-Gon just like looking at him disappointed all the time. And you know, I mean, hey, Disney owns both, so we could see it happen. We see this true. the most ambitious crossover, crossover yeah. in history. <laughs> that is true. History. That would be interesting. Huh. Just like a kind of a montage yeah. and I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I think the Qui-Gon training should be an element, but do you, do you think like the whole thing should be like no. him training and like he finally gets it at the end or is it just an element of it? What parts of it? Let me, let me say it like this. How do you train for that? How do you train to become a force you ghost? You lift rocks. You, you, do, you, you, you have Qui-Gon's to- force ghost <laughs> on his back and he's doing flips <laughs> through the desert. <laughs> like, yo. No, no. But I, as the writers, right, I'm saying that's a, that's a question you then have to answer i think does does he maybe have to go off world again because i think that's something that like i was really scared with kenobi i was like i do not want another tatooine thing since we've had so much of it do you think like maybe he has to go to like in the clone you know in the clone wars arc where that planet yoda goes to where he like really connects with those like force spirits does qui-gon have to take obi-wan there so he can fully connect and maybe it leads him on another thing i do like that and i like the going off tatooine but then there becomes at some point you have to question, okay, Obi-Wan's gone all the time. Is he really right. watching Luke? Like, That's is he true. making can't sure that much. Luke is staying safe? Like, he can't do it all the time. I do think that, like, maybe, like, in his training, like, he, like he's not making enough progress and he has to go to, like, this. Yeah, like, forces thing. him, but he doesn't want to Ex- kind of thing. Exactly. Kind of yeah. something like that. So that you still have that element of, like, him watching over Luke and protecting him. Because, like, I feel like that was the big question with, like, this whole, like, he was protecting Leia, but, like, at the same time, he left Luke vulnerable. And that was... That was kind of how it ended a little bit. It was like, he didn't, yeah. he didn't exactly, I mean, Owen and... Baru. Baru. Baru, yeah. yeah. Did a great job defending Luke, but like, Baru's at the same a time... Baru's a yeah. Baru, yeah, Queen. we've learned a lot about those two characters, but at the same time, like, Obi-Wan's gotta be there at some point. At well, least that's, that's the thing, what I'm though. Like, I feel like he, I mean, We've seen in the comics, too. He was like, ready to, like, accept... Like, I feel like Obi-Wan at the end of that was, like, ready to, like... He, he seemed like he was gonna accept, like, that he wasn't gonna have anything to do with Luke. Like, he said explicitly he's like outright said like you and baru like to owen he's like you and baru are like enough and he was like ready to walk away until owen was like you want to check him out so is there another transition maybe like he is off world because that's his mentality he's at now and then something happens that like luke is taken i i don't want to have just a repeat like leia was taken first season luke was taken second season but Mm -hmm. luke's in danger that like brings obi-wan back maybe that like he's like forced to reassess i feel like a better conflict here to avoid that like duping of the original season would be to question his attachment to luke oh yeah keep in mind that's a that's a whole concept with the jedis You, you can't have attachment right but he's obviously attached to these kids it helped him in his time of need and also allowed him to finally be able to connect and see with qui-gon but now that brings on the question is he now technically in a way breaking away from the jedi code from re- i'm not saying relying on those attachments but having them be yeah i mean that kind of seemed like his source of power in episode six what like that got him out of that the the, the low ground like the hole yeah. like that's the his attachment is what gave him power i think that's kind of a an interesting theme of like Luke's story, like in the original trilogy, like Yoda tells him like about all this like attachment, like is horrible, and like you should go, don't go save your friends, you'll just put him in more danger. And I think it's Luke's attachment that like humanizes him and makes him a great character and like hero to his friends. So maybe um, Obi Wan kind of starting to see that go through an arc like that where he's like, it's okay to have attachments. Maybe, and I think that would definitely be like great with Qui Gon because Qui Gon was kind of he kind of played that line. And it was, you didn't really see that as much in the movies, but just like in other novels and just like talking about the character, like Qui-Gon definitely like, I mean, Qui-Gon had the skills to be on the Jedi Council and yet we don't, he never was on the Jedi Council because I think he played the line more with like that gray Jedi right. area. And I think that- He didn't agree always with their, yeah, didn't, their yeah, views. Didn't agree. Exactly. Yeah. And so Obi-Wan learning from him, I think yeah. would kind of transition Obi-Wan from the Doctrine Jedi Council that what he was- to now what more what would inspire luke in his training and his philosophy gotcha that's yeah. interesting I, I think it's also something just to be talked about taking a step back at the grand scheme of things like when we heard there's gonna be a live action like kenobi series and then they announced like hayden christians is coming back expectations just shoot up i feel yeah. like it's really exciting thinking about the possibilities of like luke and vader like coming back together but i don't think every story has to be like this crazy spectacle like this huge galaxy impacting event where the clone war special like specializes was these like kind of smaller stories that like added a little bit of like depth to what the clone wars were and they weren't always like 
these huge stories that had tons of impact on like the grand scheme of Star Wars. And I'm worried if we keep doing these grand scheme of Star Wars things, like for if we do season two like that, it undermines like the separation between between this and when Vader sees him next. And he's like, I haven't felt this presence in like however long. And like, I guess my question I'm trying to get at is like, do you think we could do like a smaller story for Kenobi season two? And would we bring back Vader for that or not? No need for Vader. We close that loop here. That's the whole reason why they set up the way they did there. There should be no more interaction with Vader until A New Hope. You think the Emperor kind of said that? Yeah. I think they kind of like how they framed Vader and Palpatine like that interaction. And what I would kind of like be really interested to see in Kenobi season two was that Vader does still try to continue to pursue Obi-Wan. But then you have Palpatine jumping in and Palpatine and Vader having like a kind of fight or dispute. And then you can kind of like that you could kind of bring in some more of like the action and the drama at that point, like starting Vader to kind of like taper off a little bit. Yeah. Could, could you do like maybe Vader is in the series, but like, it's like a totally different storyline, not associated with like Kenobi's story. Like there's dual storylines where like, yeah, it's still about Kenobi because Vader's interested in like pursuing him. But like Palpatine and Vader are in their own thing. And then Kenobi's doing whatever like training with Qui-Gon and whatever his story needs to be is not even aware of like Vader like pursuing him. And like, I think it'd be tough to challenge like having those not intersect and that be interesting to audiences. Yeah, in that case, I feel like it would just be better if we did like a Vader series then. Well, well, no, here's what I'm saying with this is that I'm saying at the beginning, you 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 keep them intersected. And so you have like the Vader and the Kenobi storylines like, them match at least like vader trying to get into kenobi's storyline like then the emperor pulls him out but then the emperor pulls him out and blocks him and then you kind of get that slight fade away so that you get to focus back on kenobi and that way you like close that loop because i mean at the end vader was still trying to get kenobi he just had this huge fight with his master i mean he's going to be doing some training but like he's definitely going to want the redemption and to go after him again he needs something to stop him and redirect his focus right interesting at the same time here, too, I think it... Because Palpatine does this a lot. Canon and not canon. He tests Vader to see if he's still good mm. enough to be his boy, you know? Yeah. So it'd be cool to see if they were bringing in... Like, I remember one time there was like this... Uh, it was like a clone of Darth Maul that he had to fight at one time. You know, like just random stuff like that to be like, okay, can we see if Vader's actually still up to the metal to be... To like follow the Emperor's orders. Uh, there's other times, too, where he, he... The Emperor put Vader underneath... Like, it, Vader messed up. And there was one time where he put him underneath this other general. Eventually got to the point to where the general kept on asking him to do like these impossible tasks, but Vader kept on doing them because he's Vader, right? Like taking over a planet like single-handedly and so on, right? <laughs> Eventually got to the point to where there's like a huge space like crab thing. And the general's like, take out the most, take out the biggest threat. And then Vader killed the general because he saw him as the biggest threat. <laughs> that's how he got back in line with, with the emperor. So it'd be cool to see something like that to where you'd have yeah. Vader's like a genie where like you got to watch your words for your wish. <laughs> <laughs> Just going off of Daniel's point with like him, like bringing up Maul and everything. Like I know that there was like some comic at some point that was like Vader and Maul like met and they fought to kind of like see who would be like the more powerful Sith. And I think like Vader wanted it. And I love this one line because it really like brings out truly Vader. It's like Darth Maul was like, how could you beat me? Like, what do you hate so much that could give you all this power? And Vader just says, myself. And yeah. so that, like, that would bring in huge, like, emotional depth to the character that we haven't, like, seen as much on the big screen. Because, like, Vader on the big screen has kind of just been more, I mean, I guess we see it, in, like, later in the original trilogy. But, like, just this powerhouse of, like, mercilessness. But then you still, like, feel some of that remorse that kind of, like, would tie in that, you know, that transition from Anakin to Vader, even like in Kenobi, like he's, he's Vader, but like, it's still recent enough. Yeah. I think that's one thing we talked about in the final fight of Kenobi. I think we do see a little bit of Vader talking about like the hatred of himself when he's like, has the mask, like half cut. And he's like telling Kenobi, I did this to myself. And I think that is not to like relieve Obi-Wan of like Obi-Wan's guilt. It does that as like a by product but i feel like that was to reinforce invader that like an anakin that like he did this to himself like this so that's what fuels him to like keep fighting yeah so that's an interesting dynamic but speaking of maul 
I think a cool moment, if we could somehow fit it in, we talk about this in Rebels, actually, in this episode, in our episode where, like, all three of us were there, but, like, we talk about Maul, how, um, he tries the same move, spoilers for Rebels, but he tries the same move against Obi-Wan that he used uh, against Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan, like, perfectly counters it. I think it would be interesting if there's maybe, like, a nod or a reference to when Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are training, maybe they're, like, reflecting on Qui-Gon's death, and they just talk about what could have they could have done differently in that situation that Maul got the upper hand. And so maybe that foreshadows like how Kenobi's so able to expertly like defend off Maul because he was predicting it. So I think that could be a cool tie-in moment, maybe. And I like that idea, but I think it needs to be it needs to be more poetic. And what I mean by that is instead of them like just sitting down and like reflecting on specifically Qui-Gon's death, or what Qui-Gon needs to teach to Obi-Wan in a it's moment like, like, like that. Like a Mr. Miyagi is, moment. Maybe he just like just tells him to like well, no, no he needs to tell him or think- like brushes emu llama thing <laughs> that he needs to think about how his enemy is thinking as a sith as somebody who who can't have those attachments that has that much hate what are they willing to do what are they going to do and what are they going to try so that's what qui-gon needs to te- needs to teach it's not just how do you defeat maul specifically not like not how did i die it's how is he thinking? Yeah, no, I agree. But I think there just should be some tie-in connection somehow between like those two moments I think would be cool. Yeah, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have to be explicitly Qui-Gon being like, this is how you would defend that. But like just something <laughs> that like gets that across somehow. And yeah, yeah it could be with Poetic. Yeah. But I, I think that'd just be a cool moment in, within Qui-Gon's training somehow if they just like were talking about that or whatever. Oh, that'd for sure be an Easter egg in like a YouTube compilation yeah. of some person's analysis of that episode yeah yeah what what other ideas like do we have just for i don't know just ideas we want in there and like maybe we can start moving into like thinking about a structure for like a season i have one last kind of hot take okay item that i could that i could see potentially happening i could see kenobi trying to train our fallen inquisitor grand inquisitor has now become nothing to kind of try to train her again to kind of like be like oh yes i have hope but then at that point like (laughs) tries tries to train her to kind of like at least fight off or show that like the jedi are fully dead but then that ends terribly and that kind of leads obi-wan to that more trauma and him being like okay i need to back off jedi's fully dead because i'm just thinking of like because they left that character open yeah, and they, they definitely did. like yeah. they're going to include her in the scene like i know that not a lot of fans enjoy how her character was portrayed i like i have some hesitations with it i mean in my personal just this is more vader than her character vader should have killed her i'm sorry like yeah. there's no reason that vader <laughs> kept her alive come you're on like, it's dang, vader. Dang, vader, he messed up. <laughs> vader killed younglings she was a youngling like come on um but anyway give the I guarantee you there's already some way that she's going to be tied in and whatnot. Um, yeah, we have to think about trying her, to, yeah. Trying to tie her in to, like, how they could, like, move her in the future. Like, become Obi-Wan's new apprentice. That ends terribly. And then Obi-Wan... And then that kind of, like, leads Obi-Wan to that hesitation of, furthermore, not trying to train Luke. Maybe until, just watching like, him over. Yeah. yeah. What's the actor's name? Cameron Monaghan? The guy from Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Because we saw it in Rebels too when, when Ezra went to go see Obi-Wan. Jedi can find him. That is true. I don't think Reva should be apprenticed to Obi-Wan in this way. I feel like Cal, in this case, if he was to connect with Obi-Wan and potentially her, Obi-Wan could guide him to her. That would actually be a cool arc to see here. I think it would be interesting to see how their band of misfits would kind of interact and take her on. You know what I mean? And then maybe... Yeah. Like, he has a goal of, like, trying to rebuild the Order. That's something that we, Jake already knows in the game. It'd be interesting to see how he could interact with someone who's Force-sensitive, but also gone through from the side of an Inquisitor, which he's already also faced at this point, I'm assuming. So mm-hmm. Yeah, those two characters would be interesting paired together, but I don't know if that's yeah. necessary for, like, a Kenobi show. Like, maybe their own series, maybe, but I, that's I, true. I don't know if that would tie into Kenobi's story. Um, but I do like that idea, just, like, Maybe for another pitch practice or something, like kind of like a buddy cop, Reva and Cal Kestis or something. <laughs> okay, so we have Obi-Wan at the end of the Kenobi series. That's our starting point where he like needs to do some training with Qui-Gon. Where does he need to get to? I don't want to reset him to like be depressed. I, I, honestly, I, I, I did want to talk about this. I forgot about this. We talked about it on our podcast last week, but um, I want to see like Kenobi like get his uh, his little hut. 
I want to see him and Qui-Gon yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, like yeah. real estate <laughs> shopping um, <laughs> on the market. And like uh, my roommate said, like maybe he does like a Jedi mind trick. Like you will give me this house for half off or something like that. <laughs> um, he says he doesn't build it. True. Maybe it's him building true. it. Maybe that's part of his training with Qui-Gon. He's like placed this brick and like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Qui-Gon just tells him like how to build it. He's like the architect there. Honestly, that could be like a metaphor maybe of like building a connection to the force. Yeah. He pulls out the Lego instructions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where where does he like need to get to at the end of season two if that's like six episodes let's say or just whatever i guess that depends on how long you would want to extend the kenobi show and also how much of a time jump there is between kenobi show versus season two versus new hope right because you still have what, like 10 years there yeah i feel like i feel like we so. should go pretty close to season one of kenobi like i don't want to get too close to a new hope personally mm-hmm. Or it would be interesting if season two was like leading up to the events of like a new hope, a new hope maybe. And so like you definitely could not have Vader in it, but like maybe seeing like Kenobi somehow influencing the events of Rogue One or something like from behind the scenes, pulling some strings or again, I don't want it to just connect to like for fan service. I want like Kenobi to make sense and work for the story for it. Yeah. What if it it was like a year later, right? After season one. Yeah, and he's he's been trying to train with Qui-Gon. He's still trying to heal, right? Uh-huh. And he's also not doing so well with his training, right? Say he's trying to understand Qui-Gon's teachings, but he's having a hard time. Again, with what we were talking about before, with like the attachments and, and everything else that he's already gone through the Je- with Jedi training, right? So what, what do you guys think about that? Do you, does that seem, seem like a um, logical jump there? I don't know. I don't want to just, again, fully reset him to be sad again. Like maybe- I'm not saying he'd be sad. I'm just saying know, that but he's... Like, why would he be failing with these trainings, though? Like, the, I guess, what's that that he has to overcome to now? Because I guess he had to overcome forgiving himself to, like, be able to see Qui-Gon. Is, like, we're, are we just going to repeat something else? Like, he now has to forgive himself for something else to, like, be able to do these trainings well or something? I think it's a thing of understanding. It's not a thing of under, or forgiving himself. It's not. He's not at a point of, like, repenting or anymore. Okay, then what does he... Like, why can't he understand it, then, that's, for the that's story That's what we purpose. have to get into. I think part of it might just be letting go of his attachments to the old Jedi ways, Jedi order, all of that stuff. You could could potentially tie that in. That might be a little bit more of a stretch, especially considering how the first season ended and he kind of just gave it up altogether. Yeah. But he could have like that. Oh, I regained my abilities. Let's try this. Let's try to bring like a new order of Jedi. Let's try to like do it right this time. And then realizing that it's like that methodology of thinking, that ideology of thinking isn't going to work again like they failed for a reason i do i do like that way of thinking but i'm thinking again back to what dave filoni said in rebels uh with that fight with maul like when maul sees him filoni said that like maul realizes this is a jedi in hiding and he's like some of the one of the best of the best still and i Mm -hmm. i don't think like if he was in hiding he'd be like trying to like reestablish the jedi order by like reaching out to other jedi or like making a fuss about that i think i think his main focus by the time he gets to i think actually this i think talking this out i think this might be the story again again kind of we mentioned earlier but maybe an idea is like so we see remember in rebels he is like gung-ho like i need to focus on luke like i'm protecting this child so that's five years after the events of season one of kenobi so it's five years before like a new hope ish i think right and mm-hmm. but at the end of kenobi season one he pretty much says to owen like i need i like your protection enough like i'm gonna go off do my own thing so what happens that by the time rebels is around like he's like I need to be protect Luke. And like when Maul comes, he is like the first line of defense. Like what does that change? I feel like there's a change there. Am I incorrect in thinking that? No, you're, you're right. No, I, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that could be maybe the story we see then? Like some, like Kenobi trying to let go of Luke. Like he said he was going to in season one and then he's doing training and then something happens. Like he has to go on this adventure or like just realize that like Luke needs protection and like kind of realize that is his, his new purpose for the rest of his life. Maybe is that like the, maybe an outline of the story? No, I, I think that'd be a great story. I guess that further goes back to my question of how long would we want to make Kenobi last? Like if we want Kenobi to last two seasons, boom, that's where we go. If we mm. wanted to try to flesh it out a little bit more, I feel like you need to have something else in the middle that happens. I would say two just, seasons just because that's what we're we're locked in this basement. We got to... We can't come you know back what, to Kathleen fair. and say, hey, we have two seasons. <laughs> She's like, that's not what I asked for. Go back down. Yeah. Well, no, but you got to think in the future. Come on, man. No, I know. But 
I think I think like we should try to make like the best season two story, and that's all we should be thinking about. Like I think, okay. and then and then like if we can maybe write ourselves out of a corner in another pitch practice and think of something else for season three. But I think we should do just season two. Okay. I like the direction that we're going with. Again, I don't want to repeat what happened with Leia, but I yeah. feel like the difference here is because it's Luke, and we already know that Obi Wan's checking. Is to see if he starts showing signs that he's force sensitive. That Luke that's, is. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe yeah. That, so that that's could be what brings him the threat. Well, no, I, I like the duality. Like, like, we, like Jake was saying, like he's learning to to get rid of those attachments with Luke. But then this happens, right? He's showing that he's force sensitive, which then gets him caught up in all this hoopla. So then Obi Wan's well, like, I shouldn't be attached, but I also need to protect. I don't know. I don't know if Luke should show he's force sensitive, or at least he shouldn't be aware that he's showing. Because I feel like in Episode Four, we have to retain that Luke is like bewildered by anything related to the Force, the Jedi. Like he, he's there's only legends. So like if in Kenobi season two, like he lifts like a rock or something, or yeah, no, and he's that, like that's the Force. And then in Episode Four, he's like, oh, what's the Force? Like that wouldn't make sense, you know? It'd be more like luck or like. Uh, like a set, like you could tell, like if somebody's like midichlorians, you know what I mean? Like somebody's gonna like whack him. He's like, whoo! And you like feel it, you know? But that's like would be like a force. He's not going to th- think that it's the force. He's just going to think it's like a reflex right. or like it's just a happenstance of luck, you know? Because the force does work like but, that. I mean, it's, it's theorized that Han Solo is force is force sensitive because how many times he's gone out of scraps and shit. You yeah, know? Harrison so, Ford like, doesn't appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, so just before we move forward, so are we good? Kind of running with this story of kind of like Kenobi starts with like he's leaving luke at the end of season one like leaving in protection of owen and amperu and like that's his main pro like that's his he's accepted that and then by the end of yeah. season two he has to like accept that his purpose um and this like content with his purpose being like protecting luke at all costs and like sacrificing the rest of his life to just watch over the boy because maybe he realizes maybe this season is him realizing that luke is now like the like he views him as kind of the chosen one is the one that can potentially bring balance and, and turn around what happened with the empire and with Vader, which he ultimately does. So maybe it's Obi-Wan kind of foreseeing that. That's what I'm trying to say with him. Sorry, in a sense that he's for some set of some, right. But I don't, I don't even way. think it, it's, it's not just like, it's not just going to be, I think that's part of it, but I don't think it's just going to be like, Oh, he sees he's force sensitive. And then Obi-Wan's like, Oh yes. Like he is the chosen but one. No, like, I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. We have to yeah, see like maybe somehow like him ex- seeing that, I don't know that Luke has potential some other let, way. I let don't me know. ask you guys this: Do you guys think Qui Gon wants Obi Wan to look after Luke? Oh, I want. I, I want. I actually. I think Kenobi season two should open with Qui Gon and Kenobi just talking and Qui Gon being like, "Yeah, my bad with Anakin, dude. Like that was a bad call <laughs> on my end." So, so yeah, maybe maybe Obi Wan wants. That's some conflict. Obi Wan wants to like. He's coming around and wanting to accept, wanting to like watch over Luke, but Qui Gon's kind of like, uh, I don't know. You should dude. stay attached. Or maybe it's flipped. Like maybe Obi Wan's like, remember what happened last time? And Qui Gon's like, dude, trust me. Like this time, like I, I feel like we got to keep trying. Like Qui Gon's again, like his North Star. Like we have to keep trying. Like we can never give up, no matter what. Like I'm dead, dude, but like I'm not giving up. Like I'm still here helping you, kind of thing. I don't know. I feel like Qui Gon would definitely be more gung ho. Like, hey, I trained you. I wanted to train. Like Anakin, like yes, we messed up, but that means that it's our responsibility to yeah. make it right. So I, I think it would make more sense for Qui Gon's character to to be like more. We should do this together rather than him being like uh, I don't know. Maybe try to find this Jedi that I think exi- like that I felt somewhere off in the world, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So in this case, then it's Qui Gon that kind of lead Obi Wan to seeing that Luke could potentially be the how he sees it the chosen one even though vader is cho- you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. the one the big balance after all the bullshit right i think i don't think it should just be quiet again like just telling him like i think we got to see it somehow and like something yeah. happens like some of the events of season two are what leads like quagon and obi-wan to like see that luke has like potential and like obi-wan i think has to like ultimately sacrifice again like sacrifice his like new like freedom he's he's gotten from I season saying, one like, camel. Fr- no no he's for, he like for, his he has now this sense of freedom of like weights lift off his shoulders now that he forgives himself for the events of episode three of like run to the sith so so maybe like it, he has to, he has to eventually like have this sacrifice moment where he's like sacrificing his life to now be the protector of luke and so we have to see like what changes that i know i said that before but i'm just, I don't know, I'm just trying to get it well, out no, it's a good point to I make about it. it it's 
it's it's a good so point to make. So you're saying Obi Wan's got to give up his nine to five to go into babysitting? Yeah, he can't be, yeah, he can't be doing the, the meat the meat slicer anymore. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe it's the story of Obi Wan just like becoming extremely wealthy and like going around gambling around tattooing. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a cantina band following him, yeah. on, like one of those it's, floating it's platforms. GTA Five, but in most Eisley. <laughs> exactly. I think part yeah. of Obi Wan's training has to be learning how to suppress the ability for people to tra- like to track Luke. Cause like we've seen in like the Clone Wars and other series that like people who are highly like responsive to the force, like they can be tracked and they can be yeah. figured out. And the, like if the Jedi could do it, there's definitely the possibility. And the em- like the emperor's tried to do it multiple times. So who's going to say that he's going to stop trying again. Right. Um, so I think that needs to be a skill that Obi-Wan learns. And like, that's part of his training. I know that doesn't solve a lot of the questions that we're asking. But I do think that that's something that needs to, like, be considered. Yeah. All right. So we know where he starts and ends. And some elements that we want in the middle. So we, again, I'm sorry I'm restating it. But he starts, end of Suidobi season one, ready to just leave kind of Luke behind in the hands and care of Owen and Aunt, Aunt Beru. By the end, he needs to fully commit to giving up his life to just be Luke's protector from afar. So what happens in between there that frightens him or like makes him accept that like it makes him realize what if, that what if there's something that potentially has luke become seduced to the dark side now i'm not saying it like it happens like in the series but like, like an event happens where it's like it's clear that he could like go down the same path that anakin did right like you know? he some yeah maybe like he does like a pod race or something and i, I don't know i don't know i'm not saying <laughs> that but but i mean i also want to be I know wary like i want to be wary because um i remember a lot of people hated in episode in this sequel trilogy, like the way Luke's character went with like almost being seduced by the dark side, like everyone was like, Luke is like this ideal, the hero, like he is never swayed by the dark. But that's after development. That's the thing. This is right. him when he's young. Yeah. So I think it would make more sense at this point to where he's still like, again, he doesn't have that like, concept of the force, like you said. So it'd make more sense if they, if, if he just goes around bullying kids like younglings and, and Obi-Wan's he- like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I remember that. Like, Obi-Wan needs to make sure that Luke, when he when his time does come, that he does have a good connection with the Force. Like, as in with the light side. What if what if that temptation is a potentially Luke, him somehow finding out of Luke wanting to go and train at the Imperial Academy? Because that's, I mean, Ooh. that's the start of episode four. Like, Luke, Luke wants to go to the Imperial Academy and train and I guarantee you that Obi-Wan and Owen are going to talk at some point in between. And then you have that possibility. And I guarantee you at the Imperial Academy, it'd only be a matter of time before Vader figured it out. Yeah. If, if yeah. Luke Skywalker is just like in the, the <laughs> database, <laughs> he'd be like, who's that? What's this guy's <laughs> name? Palpy. Whatever you told me. <laughs> is, there like, is there maybe an event or something that brings the Empire to... Tatooine again well I think the whole reason why Luke wants to join the and he wants to join the Imperial Navy or Air Force to be a pilot so what did we see Luke being inspired to be a pilot in the beginning of this and like or something and we know that Owen definitely didn't want him to follow in his father's path and knowing that his father was a renowned pilot I I feel like that that whole piloting and piloting Imperial Academy might be our link we we see him on the top of the the sh- the thing when Obi Wan's like creepily spying on him with the binoculars, like in in the season one, like he's he already is like kind of like a pilot. So maybe yeah, that, I think that's a good link. He also saves Owen and Obi Wan later. On, this is a comic. I don't know if it's canon or not, but he actually does fly like their local shuttle, shuttle, shuttle to uh save them from Black Chrysanthemum. So oh yeah, maybe Black Chrysanthemum can be in there. I forgot oh. it because that he is. So what is Black Chrysanthemum's story in connection to Obi Wan in the comics? Does anyone know? I think it was just somebody had him be like, hey, hunt down this Jedi. And then, like, he do somehow. Maybe that's Vader asking. That's a side hustle. Yeah. True. He's hiring bounty hunters because he can't directly do it. When Palpatine stops him, he sends Black Chrysanthemum to go find Obi-Wan. Okay. And, I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to just repeat. I was gonna say, maybe what if like Luke is captured or, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, by by Chrysanthemum. I don't want to copy that, though. Maybe maybe Luke maybe Obi Wan is in trouble, and Luke, having made this subtle connection with him, comes in like maybe, saves the day. For him. I, I don't want to say save the day because it feels like in Episode Four he doesn't really know him that well. So I think we've got to keep that relationship kind of vague. But maybe he just like stumbles across yeah. it or something, and like tries to help out. I don't know. So some elements we've got so far. I'm just gonna write some stuff down. We have Qui Gon apologizing. That's the opening scene for Anakin. <laughs> my bad, bro. Yo, my guy. Sorry my about that. <laughs> Obi-Wan in the beginning is ready to leave Luke's 
protection entirely up to Owen and Baru. So by the end, Obi-Wan has to yeah, devote his entire life's purpose to being Luke's guardian maybe first episodes Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan have gone off world like it is like a year later and his training's taking him off world to practice like to learning about like being a force ghost and stuff and mm-hmm. then something happens like Black Crescenton is on Tatooine at that time or something and then when he gets back I don't know but we also have like Luke potentially interested in joining the Imperial Academy how old would he be at this time because right now he's what like 10 so that'd be 11 he's 10 and what age was Luke in New Hope again do we know that? Like 19, I think. 19, okay. What's the college system in Tatooine? At what point had most people left? <laughs> I, feel, I don't know. I feel like... Well, I, his friends, I think, leave when they're like 19 or something like that. Or... I was yeah. about, in, in New Hope, They, I remember Bruce like, yeah, most of his friends are already gone. So like 18, probably. So He had a really good career counselor. Yeah. The only reason he stayed on the farm is because Owen forced him. He's like, oh, we'll do it next season. Oh, next mm-hmm. season, you know? Yeah. But the duality of that is he wanted he didn't want to put Luke in danger, and he was like, "Well, we're we're good here, so why does he need to go anywhere else?" You know, right? How does Luke get seduced by like the Imperials, or how does Obi Wan eventually want to? I don't know. This is hard. Oh my gosh! Uh, want to uh, devote his entire purpose to being Luke's guardian from afar? Because maybe d- d- in the beginning, does maybe he like leave for a while, and it just feels off to him, or? Like, does he, does he stay on Tatooine this whole time? No, I think no. he's got to leave Tatooine at least at some point. So I think, I think it'll, like, we could probably, like, say, like, an episode of, like, Obi-Wan leaving, going, meet, potentially meeting some new characters, figuring that out. Maybe Quinlan Voss, because they talked about him in the... Ooh, that could be a good, that could be a good character. Yeah. But, yeah, Quinlan Voss was in Clone Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan interacted in Clone Wars, too. Like, they had episode. they, I know they at least had one episode together. Yeah. Can you give a little rundown about his character, Matt, as much, like, whatever you know about him? Yeah, so Quinlan Voss was essentially, like, uh, I don't know if this is going to be, like, exactly right, but, like, a bounty hunter Jedi kind of thing. And, like, a bounty hunter Jedi as in, like, more, he, like, he went rogue more often, like... He did a lot of guerrilla warfare more, right? A yeah. lot, like a rougher yeah, a lot more fighting like style. that, and, like, yeah. spy missions, and then there was also... Because I think, like, the big thing with Quinlan Voss, and again, I'm not... 100% sure on his character arc, but that like he was like kind of like trying to figure out a lot more of the Sith and like learn more from them and there was there was some questions within the Jedi Order of did Quinlan Voss turn to the dark side and now he's kind of become like a double agent kind of thing yeah. figuring out where his true loyalties really led maybe he goes off world to do training with Qui-Gon and Quinlan Voss is there and they kind of like reconnect maybe there's some elements of talks about trying to restart the Jedi Order but like it doesn't come to fruition or anything I think that'd be a cool maybe opening maybe like he starts off it's been like a few months or like a year and Obi-Wan has again like he's ready to leave Luke and Owen and Bruce protection and so he's off world working with um Qui-Gon uh and and Quinlan Voss maybe Training. I feel like that would be a really good conversation because Quinlan, I feel like in that case, would want to, you know, he's like ro- rogue-ish. You know, he probably would still be mm-hmm. on the path of like, hey, let's restart the order. But I feel like it'd be good for Obi-Wan at this point to be like, no, that's a terrible idea. So then at that point, you have to bring up the question of how can you be a Jedi without your order? And yeah, maybe right? by the end he finds he's a Jedi because he has this purpose of uh, like going after Luke, maybe. So maybe that, that's a yeah. question he's constantly battling throughout this whole season. He's like, what's my purpose now? if I'm not going to restart the Jedi Order, because I know I don't want to do that. But then he finds it in the end with being Luke's guardian. Um, yeah. All right. I definitely think we're on the right track, which is exciting. Yeah, I think I think Quinlan definitely adds that more radical side, like trying to break down some of those old Jedi Order ties that potentially Qui-Gon even couldn't do to Obi-Wan. Right. Doesn't he also have, like, mad hoes? What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to remember... Daniel's back in the sex dungeon. Yeah, Daniel. Daniel just looked to his right and was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot where we were at." (laughs) PG thirteen rated R season two of Kenobi. (laughs) The season opener for Kenobi season two. Obi Wan takes death sticks. The rest is off the rails. (laughs) I was talking with my mom about that, and um, she was like, "It's kind of crazy how like it goes from you McGregor Kenobi, and like ten years later he's like Alec Guinness, pretty old." I was like, "It's probably those death sticks." That's what Daniel always says. Okay, so does something pull him back to Tatooine, or does he just go back? Like, does Owen call him, like, yo, it's going down, or does he just happen to go back, and then, like, certain events take place? What if, what if Owen, Maybe that's Luke, an exciting and Baru incident. go off-world, like a field trip? 
Oh, like family what? vacation thing. You think I, Owen? I don't think Owen and Brew. I don't think that's in their yeah, characters. Yeah, them being yeah, true. farmers. Their entire their entire whole lifestyle is based on Tatooine. Like other planets have water. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think of like like how would you get Luke off world? You know, do we need Luke in, in a way that he's I don't not? Think, like, I don't think danger. Luke goes off world because I don't think I don't he's ever think been Luke off world before off episode world. four. I yeah, I think Luke that's right. That's Tatooine. right. Yeah, yeah. Because I think mind. that's also his driving force for wanting to go into yeah. the Imperial Academy to get off Tatooine. Right, yeah. So maybe maybe like we see him kind of getting sick of being... Maybe he's getting into his like rebellious teen years and he's kind of getting sick of being like on Tatooine and he's starting to meet these friends that we see, that we hear about in the later episodes that like go off world eventually. So maybe we start to see him and their connection and how they also are maybe like pilots or like they hang out at Tashi Station. So, and maybe he gets into some sort of trouble there and it draws a little too much attention just being like a rowdy teen he meets boba fett's moped squad and he yeah learns. <laughs> i'm just gonna stop it there because i do not want to see them again yeah <laughs> no um, but no what if what if he did say there's a re- imperial recruitment building facility whatever and mos eisley and they're like what's your name luke Luke, al- I'm alone. Luke Solo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think there'd be an imperial because, like, I mean, Tatooine. Its whole thing is that it's in the outer rim. Yeah, and that's true. And it's completely uh, like regulated by the huts and things. And Vader hates Tatooine. Like, true. I don't true. think that he would sanction. And there's no way that Palpatine would want Vader to be going back to like kind of try to reconnect and stuff like that. So I don't think like Tatooine would. I mean, at least from like an imperial standard. They probably wouldn't be getting a lot of good recruits from Tatooine just because that's where a lot of the scum goes and they'd rather go like to other planets. But they're definitely like maybe like some planet that's nearby that like that's where the Imperial Academy's held. And that's like Tatooine has like a job shortage or something like that. So a lot of people try to leave. Yeah, you said that like the of course the Imperials would not want to be on Tatooine uh, and, and like it's so far in the Outer Rim but I'm thinking back like again like poetry kind of it rhymes what if like in episode one something happens like an Imperial mission or something is like going wrong they're damaged they don't have enough fuel or something so they have to do a s- emergency stop on Tatooine and that's what gets Ooh. Luke like into like he's aware of the Imperials now and it's like that looks really cool like there's these guys that like were on this like badass mission and uh, they had to like crash land here to like repair but like their suits are like all different and new um i don't what know if luke finds the crash imperial yeah that's yeah pilots and yeah. tries to help them and then they're like hey you should sign up for the empire when you're old enough, yeah and, kind and, of thing. and maybe it's again again i love that in the new star wars stuff we're seeing that it's not all like black and white entirely so maybe at first yeah. luke is like they seem like decent people and of course what luke eventually realizes they're bad because they like kill Aunt, Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. So I don't think we have to worry about like like him realizing that they're bad eventually because that settles that in episode four. So maybe like mm-hmm. that's how Luke is tempted. He like helps these pilots or something and is like, hey, these guys aren't half bad. It'd be really cool to like talk about joining the Imperial Academy, maybe. Should Obi-Wan kill them in front of him? No, I think that caused too much trauma. And that'd be an, that would be an event that Luke would remember. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, he easily would see his lightsaber. And also I feel like that would cause more trouble with the empire like they'd send like a search and rescue eventually and i think that the imperial pilot should do something that luke admires so maybe you have like luke's taking them back and then they see like oh i don't know like some tuscan raiders like attacking some people that it's like oh, oh. it looks like the tuscans are being more hostile whereas we kind of learned more with boba fett they may have just been like territorial and like the people could have been doing something wrong to the tuscan raiders and the imperial yeah. pilots kind of like step in shoot down the tuscan raiders it might have benefited them like they might have been in the way kind of thing and there was going to be inevitable right. that like luke and the pilots were going to run into these tuscan raiders but that way it's like luke kind of gains that admiration that like these imperial pilots were able to do something like so heroic and like be heroes that's i'm trying to think also though i remember the first interaction that luke had with uh, the they, they like try to frame the Tuscan Raiders, right? And then Obi Wan's oh, like, right. they're they're more precise. So like, I'm trying to think. We can't break it. If like, was that the first time that Luke's encountered like the Imperials? Was that 
like maybe that's the first time he encountered like stormtroopers like foot soldiers so maybe it's like a diplomatic like imperial mission or something or like it's a representative from the empire that's like not a stormtrooper that has to shoot anything maybe i'm just trying like would that break if we do see like that scene i like that idea but would that break the the scene when obi-wan's like only stormtroopers are so precise like is luke like oh i've never encountered that before does or has he potentially yeah no i guess i see what you're saying i do like the idea though of like some imperial encounter that gets luke interested in it yeah yeah and then uh, instead of instead of the tuscans is more well luke does show some knowledge of the tuscan raiders in episode four because i was like if the tuscans are the problem potentially swip it like swap it out with like the pike syndicate or something that's like a true evil on tatooine and like the imperials like they have would have reason to attack because you know you have these illegal spice traders and stuff like that but it could be the what was the dude's name the champ the guy from boba it could be one of those guys again or something like i know you said they're not gonna have like a full imperial like outpost on tatooine but what if it's like a spokesperson or like kind of like a motivational speaker that's coming and just trying to like get people that are interested to just like if they want to volunteer they can um because they're always in need of new workers and luke is like too young at this point to like volunteer but maybe he's just like oh that's interesting that's like a way off where like puts the spark in him i don't know that kind of seems a little lame though i like i like the idea of like a crashed ship and yeah, like i think i maybe we should stick with that but maybe again just try to figure out how that could not break canon i do kind of like the diplomat or some 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 other not pilot stormtrooper like maybe like somehow it's like a special forces agent or something like that who doesn't rely on blaster fire right. or in, in combat like i'm just trying to get out of like that whole you know only stormtroopers or so right. precise kind of thing. Well, I, let's just kind of rewind uh, so we don't get stuck or anything. But Obi-Wan needs to transition from letting Luke go and being in protection of the Lars's to being like his guardian and kind of watching over him. Luke, we're going to start to see his being wanting to be a pilot and wanting to and just being interested in the Empire through potentially crashed ship or like a ship that needs like repairs just that happens to land on Tatooine similar to in episode one when um they need to land on Tatooine how does Obi-Wan see Luke is going down in uh, like a uh, the wrong path and we can't have Luke we can't have Obi-Wan being like protecting Luke like I'm not letting you go to the outside world um it needs to be like the outside world's trying to get to Luke and Obi-Wan's stopping that so maybe somehow with with Luke when he's getting interested other parties are about are starting to take notice to him somehow is that a good summary of what we've got so far I think, yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary. We're on the right track. What do you mean by other parties are getting interested? I, I think Luke is just, like, in danger, and, I, I again, the Empire doesn't know about him, so we can't do that. Maybe you just have some internal conflict in Tatooine, like, not Empire-related, so you still have that connection that Luke sees, like, the positive Empire experience, but not something that would draw the attention of the Empire. So maybe right. you might have, like, spice disputes, some bounty hunter dispute or something, that like draws Luke into blaster fire or something like that that doesn't involve Obi-Wan, doesn't involve the Empire. Maybe but maybe potentially Owen's there and Owen like tries to protect Luke and realizes like cuts it really close and he's Gets like injured or something. Oh, That's why exactly like, where I was thinking. I need Obi-Wan to kind of help. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it should be exactly like Boba Fett though. Like we shouldn't just do the pikes again and like spice. Like I no. think yeah but it can't be maul either because maul doesn't come until rebels like he doesn't know he's on tatooine so it just has to be slim we also don't want to overuse maul (laughs) yeah Yeah. we also gotta think about the relationship in episode four in the beginning right because it still is like it's almost like owen and baru are like again they're still mainline of defense they're the first ones but then obi-wan is also there it's not just like he's he is luke's protector he knows of Obi-Wan, but he's not, like, going in and out, yada, yada. My point is, I think it's a good idea to have Owen get hurt and for him to come to the realization that, yes, it's okay to have Obi-Wan be more around and be a protector. She kind of got at... We got him... We got Owen to the point at the end of season one to be like, it's okay for Obi-Wan to be around. Okay? I think we also got the end of season one of Owen being hurt. Because you see him, yeah. like, limping, and maybe, like, that's how he got his injury. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's really much in the sense of like Owen accepting that like Obi-Wan needs to be around. I think it's Obi-Wan like he needs to be the one that's like convinced that he needs to be around cuz I think he's convinced he doesn't need to be around in this one. And so like even like again, I think uh if Owen 
doesn't want Obi-Wan around. Obi-Wan's not going to care. Like he maybe Obi-Wan just is again from afar. So I don't think Owen is, I, I personally don't think Owen is like, we don't have to convince him that something like, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Obi-Wan comes to the understanding that if something does happen to Owen, then he becomes the last line of defense. You know what I'm saying? So they both come to that understanding. It's it's not just Owen being like, okay, yeah, I, I want you here. It's Obi-Wan being like, Owen, you're not, you might not be fit to do this forever or until the boys of age, you know? I, I don't think Owen's necessary. I think he could be an additional component that we could add yeah, again. Not I agree. vital. But we could also just go back to what's driving Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon. We could go yeah. back to him and like that motivational factor and things like that. And like as Obi-Wan progresses in his training, like they start to realize together, because I mean Qui-Gon thought Anakin was the chosen one. So and I and again for all intents and purposes, we're not considering the whole, you know, Anakin is the chosen one kind of thing. You can have like that episode, like beginning, like Obi-Wan Qui-Gon, then you get that Obi-Wan Quinlan Voss, and then you get some more Luke Empire interaction, and then you can come back to Obi-Wan Qui-Gon to kind of like bring that around. That's just another potential that like, I was like, wait, this this is something right in front of us that we said right at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, so let's just think of like if we if like Kathleen like comes down to the sex dungeon and we were like we have to pitch like right now. <laughs> what would we pitch? We start out episode one with Obi Wan and Qui Gon off world training because Obi Wan like completely was like I can let go of Luke. He's off world and maybe in the beginning he like runs into Quinlan Voss. We see that happen in the first episode and we again like see Obi-Wan kind of talking about like what's his purpose and Quinlan Voss kind of opens up that discussion about like what his purpose is now that like the Jedi Order is kind of gone and everything. And so that like sets up that he needs to find his purpose and figure out what he's doing now that he's not watching Luke um, and that he's not in the Jedi Order and like that now that he's like forgiven himself. Um, so that's kind of like the beginning. I think I think a good way for that first episode, the cliffhang. Are we still going with like the Imperial crash landing thing? Yeah. Okay. So I think that'd be a good cliffhanger for like for us to see the crash. Oh, uh, okay. The troopers come out and you kind of get like the up down shot of like from Luke's perspective, like up and you see like the troopers like, so kind of looking down just, on like, him. All training with Qui-Gon and we get a lot of like connections to like how like how he becomes a force ghost and like think like just how that happens and then Quinlan Voss and again establishing Kenobi needs to find his purpose his new purpose and then like cut back to Luke witnessing the crash the crash yeah witnessing the crash okay okay that's episode one uh the next part starts off with Luke and the troopers troopers are like trying to figure out the situation pretty much they're like Luke knows the lay of the land how do we get off this desert planet and Luke's like, okay, I can... I'll take you to Tashi Station. So that sets up that journey. Now we can cut back to Obi-Wan doing Obi-Wan Do we shit. need Obi-Wan in episode <laughs> two? Like, I feel like... I feel like the main... Like, when Luke finds the crash pilots, that should be kind of like the majority of the episode. And, like, yeah. their interactions, them kind of building some kind of rapport. Yeah, do you think maybe episode one could be Kenobi... And also, just so it's not so random that it's like we just cut to Luke right at the end. Maybe like intercut with like Luke again, like seeing meeting his friends uh, that we like hear about in Tashi Station, so that we like yeah. establish that he's in this story. It's him going back home from Tashi Station that he finds yes. the crash. Right, that could work. Yeah, how work. what is Tashi Station? That's yeah. like just like a restaurant. Like, he, how old is he here? Like, it's 11 or just 12? I don't know. What's a, what's a power converter? Is that part of yeah. a speeder? Like... It's a motivator. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's like a, like a, his friend's dad works at Tashi Station or something. And so, like, they hang out yeah. there or something. All right. So, that, that's episode one. Like, they kind of cut in between. Mm -hmm. And then the end with uh, Luke there. So, Luke, in episode two, is, like, getting building rapport with, um, with like, these Imperials. And we're kind of seeing... We're, it's kind of, like, in mystery almost. Like, what's up with these guys? Like, and, and we're also just tense because, like, he's seeing like imperial guys maybe it's again not stormtroopers maybe it's like people on like a stealth mission so they're not in stormtrooper gear um or maybe they're just like honestly like kind of like diplomats almost where they don't have like any special special combat training but they have like basic knowledge it's like better than like the average tatooine or whatever so that would impress luke kind of thing tatooine i like yeah. i like the fact that we don't find out immediately they're imperials i think oh. that's an awesome component so they like, just okay. crash ship luke goes to find the crash ship and then like you learn with some of their skills, like you see Luke fight and then like maybe in the battle, like some piece of like the, like their armor rips off or something and you see the Imperial insignia. Oh, cause yeah, cause yeah. they're on a stealth mission. So they didn't want to show it at first. Exactly. Yeah. And then Luke is like, wait, your empire. And then they kind of like try to explain like 
the positive side of the empire and like because then luke has that positive interaction and he's already kind of on board because he's yeah maybe maybe that's towards yeah, the exactly. end of the, maybe that's towards the end of the second episode is like that reveal not like a cliffhanger at the end of the episode like i don't want to just keep doing cliffhangers but like maybe toward like yeah. after he's built for most of the episode like a rapport that rips off and then kind of the end is like luke being a little uneasy but i i don't i don't i think we should maybe have kenobi in it a little bit because i feel like star wars fans would be like kenobi yeah. wasn't in it so like maybe it's like kenobi yeah. <laughs> wrapping up his training with quinlan voss and kind of deciding like yeah i need to find my purpose and um figure just myself out so maybe he's going to go back to tatooine to to do that maybe that's why why he starts going back or like is there is there another reason that he would go back or is it just like well, i need to go back and meditate let's think about if you're obi-wan Yes. Right. Hello what there. What things are clouding your judgment? Just uh, unknowing, like you don't know what you want to do in life. I think that's just very, really relatable, like a relatable theme, like in life. So where do you draw to then from that? I don't know what I'm doing now. So maybe you think about, okay, what have I done before? Okay, I used to be a Jedi before. That doesn't work. So that's why he holds his current stance. Okay, so if being a Jedi doesn't work, so what and who can I go to? I guess, he, I guess, yeah, you can make him go back to Tatooine. Or maybe plot twist: Obi Wan goes back to Tatooine to kind of like as like a jump port to his next spot goes to a cantina finds Dex oh my gosh yes (laughs) (laughs) that's ultimate fan service right there (laughs) episode two we just know we don't again this is just like an outline pitch maybe we don't have to have everything exactly figured out but so we know everyone gets back to Tatooine and then Luke is like in cahoots right now with these Imperials so episode three well, here's the thing, too. Does he just, like, check in? I feel like he just checks in on Luke every now and then, too, because now that he's met him, I think it's okay for him to just come in, so that could be the motive there. And that could then lead into him now going to talk to, like, Owen and Baru. Maybe... They'd be like, where's he at? Ooh, and they're like, oh, we don't know. Maybe Luke, like, because he knows the secret that they're, like, the flap came down and they're the Imperials, Luke is, like, keeping that secret from Owen and Baru and Ben if he ever comes back to check in. And, like, yeah. Obi-Wan can, like, sense, like, he's hiding something, or... Or maybe when the Imperials leave, they're like, hey, think of the Empire. They, like, flip him a coin or something, or some, like, Imperial... The old credits. Um, yeah. Item. Well, maybe not credits, because I, I feel like credits could get passed around to Tatooine, but, like, maybe some old metal or some something Empire-related, and then yeah. Luke kind of, like, keeps that hidden, and then one day, like... I don't know, when Baru's cleaning, she finds it, gives uh, it to Owen, and then Owen kind of, like, relays that to Ben to kind of, like, give that so that Ben kind of figures it out without interacting with Luke as much. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of, like, brings up Owen's concern a little bit more and kind of gives Obi-Wan some more motivation to be like, hey, I need to watch out more because, the like, the Empire's calling. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but so would, would when Obi Wan like gets that coin or whatever it is that from Owen, does he is he still? I still I feel like he still has to be like, well, Owen, you've got this kind of thing. Like I, I think we need to have some. Maybe it's shown like, like what you were saying, Daniel. Like it's shown that like Owen doesn't have it or something. I don't know. I, I we see we need some like emotional like moment. Like I think the peak should be Obi Wan like realizing that he needs to stay and like what what is that moment that like he realizes yeah. that uh he needs to say i don't think it should be episode two when he realizes there are imperials nearby you know what i mean like maybe do the imperials like do something or that's the thing i think while i think luke has taken the imperials to tashi station owen and baru don't know where he's at because he's doing that it's like the next morning or something i guess they're just camping out there or something for the night i don't know in the morning they'll then go to the spaceport or whatever right so that's why luke's just going to stay with them instead of traveling in the night we can say that the imperials are gonna go to the spaceport okay yeah, so that goes to the next day. Owen and Baru don't know where Luke is. Obi-Wan shows up and he's like, where's where's he at? And they're like, can you find him? And he's like, okay, I can find him. So then episode two is a mix of that. It's it's of Luke getting the Imperials to talk. No, I think that's episode three you're talking about. Sorry, yeah, three, three. The Imperials getting to the spaceport and then also Obi-Wan tracking Luke. Okay, I think we should maybe talk about this more a bit later. I, we've been talking for a while. I think I think Kathleen's coming down. We've got have an outline. I think we should <laughs> just like picture what we got. I think we've got at least solid two episodes. We do. <laughs> so yeah, episode one it starts with Kenobi training with Qui Gon on another planet off world, maybe the planet where Yoda like uh, connect with all those Force beings. Luke is like just living his life, Atasha Station. 
Uh, this is a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Good job, Star <laughs> Riders. Quinn Levas comes to Obi-Wan and they train, talk about like maybe Maul for uh, a little bit, like to have some hints of what happens in Rebels. Luke comes across this crash just on his own. And then episode two, it kind of works out that Luke helps these guys out, starts like looking up to them a little bit because they're just like off-world, off-worlders and they're like different. They're from this star speeder like spaceship that's like really cool he hasn't like seen a lot of it he's like asking questions maybe about like the the buttons and stuff and they're like helping him out and then obi-wan kind of like makes his way home and then towards the end of episode two it's revealed that these guys are imperials again this can all be changed and adjusted this is just a first draft whatever kathleen sorry um (laughs) I i think that's i mean we have a good just solid pitch it's like beginning this is where he's at end. this is where he's at he has to like get to there kind of thing. Like he has to mm-hmm. he has to devote his entire life to protecting Luke. And something with like the Imperials getting kind of close and maybe some danger happens like convinces him of that. So some emotional arc with that. Yeah. I know we didn't get as far as like we wanted to, but yeah, we've been talking for a while. Are you guys okay kind of wrapping up here-ish? It feels a little unsettling, but... <laughs> hey, I mean, sometimes that's how the world works. You don't finish everything in just one episode of a podcast. Yeah. Sorry, listeners. Or the first draft. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, let us know yeah. what you think of just this the beginning ideas we've had of this. I think we had some good ideas. I think I enjoyed talking to you guys about this. Oh, I've really enjoyed. Yeah, no, agreed. It was a really yeah. good time. All right, well, we maybe we'll flush it out another day. We'll see. But um, yeah, Kathleen, can we leave the sex dungeon? Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> she she only lets okay. If she was to only let one of us leave, who would she let go? In the comments, you guys let us know. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we'll jump into the next segment. All right, well, thank you, Matt, for joining us. Yeah, next segment. Boosh, rather main segment. We're back. Uh, yes. I had a little bit of technical difficulties, and it's actually the second time recording this, so... Um, apologies about that. Maybe the second time's a charm, you know, what they always say. And <laughs> let's be that much better. So if we stumble, you can make fun of us even more because it's the second time we're stumbling. <laughs> um, yeah, so a little post-banter news. So so did you hear about um, the new Netflix movie the Russo brothers are producing next after The Gray Man? I mean, now you have. You just now I have, but it, <laughs> we've, okay, again, this is our second take. So no, I haven't. What's going on with that? <laughs> um, so it's called, it's called The Electric State and it's based on a sci-fi like illustrated novel. And in the story, a teenage girl navigates through the American West that is kind of reminiscent of like a retro future. And she's accompanied by hmm. a mysterious but sweet robot and a drifter kind of in search for her younger brother. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is attached oh. to play the teenage girl and apparently Chris Pratt is uh, in talks to also star in the movie. It's not confirmed what he is. So maybe he's like it, the voice of the robot or the drifter. It needs to give me my life as a teenage robot vibes. Yeah. I swear. So the Russo is <laughs> partnering with Netflix again and the reported budget is over $200 million. I mean, with Netflix like losing subscribers, like can they afford to do this? Let's just put it on the Russo's. You yeah, know? yeah. Honestly, if it's anywhere you're going to put them, you know? Yeah, like that, that's a good investment right there. All right, yeah. for totally trivia trivia tidbits. Yeah, hit me with them. What you got? So I was watching the Thor's director's commentary and found out why there are so many Dutch angles in it. Why there's so many? So the director Kenneth B. Uh, he was the director of the first Thor movie, and he said during the director's mm-hmm. commentary that people actually warned him um, during production that he was doing too many Dutch angles, and so like a Dutch angle is kind of like a crooked frame. So he said the reason that he uh, like decided to put in Dutch angles was was because that's how he remembered the comics, like especially the Thor comics. And he said that the comic frames were so epic and so large that the artists would often draw like on an angle so that they could fit like the art in like more space, fill up the entire space, like if it was crooked. So he's trying to like do that with the film as well, which is like a cool concept on paper, but I just feel like there were way too many Dutch angles and it didn't really work. It just kind of made you feel uneasy a lot. It's okay to have more than normal. Don't get me wrong, but with how many there were in there, that was too much. If it was for like big action moments, I feel like it would have been better. Or for like the stoic moments of like Asgard, you know, stuff like that. All right, ready to jump into Rank Rally, the next segment of the show. Yes, yes, yes. Let me let me get my list up. Give me your top five Star Wars themes from Return of the Jedi. Yeah, something I noticed too, there's just less scores in general in this one, you know? The, yeah. There's only like 11. I don't know. It's, it's felt weird because it's like the end of the trilogy, but also they all, I don't want to say they all hit, but like they're, a lot of them were good, like really good. So, yeah. Uh, with that said, my number five was Parade of the Ewoks. And the main reason for that is because it has like the essence of Endor, you know? 
I know uh-huh. a lot of people don't like Ewoks, but like has a feeling of Endor, like especially when when we arrived there and and the I don't know the wispiness of it and like the gotcha jovial nature of it. So that's why I liked about it. Number four is the Force battle, and the reason this is my number four because it has utility across media. This that's is a, also that's the big thing with me. Yes, <laughs> and it's also Endor. It has a huge feeling of Endor, but at the same time, it's also just very actiony and very. It's in games, very, right? Yeah, it has multiple uses though, because of how how actiony and punchy it is, right? So that's why I like that one. Okay. Number three, you might be surprised by this because I think it's it's tough because the other ones again I'll, I'll explain is Return of the Jedi. Interesting. And the reason I have that at number three for well for two reasons. One is the Wah. the freaking beats at the Wah. beginning, like the Family Guy spoof Wah. that like made fun of yeah. it. It's been Dude, so many and ridiculously long. So much. It just keeps on going and keeps on going into that Family Guy bit. It was just so good. And then it gets oh into my the, like heroic theme later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that heroic so, theme. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's because of both of those reasons that that's my uh, number three. My number two is the Emperor's theme. Like I said before, like in our first take, that is <laughs> the theme itself makes you feel like you're in a large dark room and like you're just surrounded by something sinister. It just feels sinister. Just listening, like listening to it. So yeah, that's why it's my number two. It's it's important to understand like like uh, the presence and the power of the Emperor. Yeah. That, that score and, and does it so yeah, well. Yeah, the Emperor is like I mean the baddest of bads, like the villain above Darth Vader. So like in this yeah. theme, like reflects that. My number one is Into the Trap. Really, one. It's a trap. Oh, <laughs> freaking! I misread that and I put it on my list as into the tap. I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> this makes more sense. Okay. Again, this just makes me think of Star Wars for multiple reasons because there's multiple points in this score to where it's seen, again, a lot of games. I think a Lego Star Wars like instantly. That's a good list, dude. It feels like very like, I don't want to say like spy, but this, I believe this is also a theme that plays like when they're uh, doing like some stealth stuff, you know? So it just feels yeah. like very like, hey, we're rebels. Hey, we're doing our thing, you know? And I like that. All right. I'm going to go through my top five Star Wars themes yes. from Return of the Jedi from episode six. So my number five is Force Battle as mm-hmm. well. I mean, nice. it's very tense and very good at building suspense. This film is like the culmination of like this trilogy and like eventually the, fir- uh, the first six films. And so like my list here has like a lot of suspenseful like building scores to that. It's not really, yeah. I don't have like a lot of calm scores on here. Are you saying Lapti neck isn't calm? <laughs> uh... Hold on. My number four is uh, Into the Trap, not Into the Tap, as I originally read it. It's another nice. one that's kind of like a mal- an amalgamation of, and like of echoes of different themes, but it like stands out on its own. And like the tension that's building is done extremely well, but like the nostalgia of like feeling like a classic Star Wars score. Lots of interesting yeah. like, percussion throughout. Uh, my number three is the return of the jedi you were like i don't think you're gonna really get why i did this one for my number three well, i thought you would have said number my one. number three i was like oh okay <laughs> but yeah it's just like the freaking unnecessarily large amount of beats as they all mm-hmm. sus- like suspensefully look at each other but all jokes aside then like the triumphant theme that comes in afterwards is like pretty epic and and fun yeah yeah so my number two is the emperor as well um, oh is the emperor and, and so it tidbit that uh i found out thanks to our tiktok comments but this the emperor's theme you know aki's band in episode one like this end celebration that Mm -hmm. is actually a reworking of the emperor's theme they transposed this theme up like to a major key and sped it up and it's and it's um the same thing so i think that's a really cool like symbolism and just like foreshadowing yeah i like that yeah, my number one is not on the original list from the original 1980-whatever release of Return of the Jedi. It is from the 1997 re-release. It's Jedi Rocks. So would you mind pulling up a new tab and pulling up Jedi Rocks? I was going to say, is it the... Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, oh, it's, again, it's not in the original uh, score, but it was in the 1997 re-release. Um, it used to be like the Lopti Neck, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It's a bop. Dude, I'm not even joking. If this came on at like a club, I'd be living. It's just like a funky jazz like version. I'm not even kidding. Like this is amazing. <laughs> I can only imagine you at the club. This goes on. You're like, oh, oh, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this that's my list. Uh, that's a good list. That's a good list. I'm just jamming now. All right, you ready to jump into the next segment? Patron shoutouts. Yeah, hit me with them. Cue Epic Stars music, boosh! We have Patreon Lori, Frank, Rick, Lisa, Evan, Tony. Thank you so much for pledging the tier. Thank you to the shout out. Click the support support of our Patreon. Link is down in the description. Get the audio episode early. Special benefits, cool perks, 
all the jazz and more. Thank you seriously to our Patreon supporters. Really appreciate it. Yeah, if you want to head on over to Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Or a comment on our YouTube channel. That would be great. Uh, thank you. Ready for the introduction? Yep. Tell me when. When. We just talked about what we want to talk about. And now we're done. Play. Thank you so, so much for listening. We seriously, genuinely, really do appreciate it. We'll be back yeah. next week for a very special episode. There's actually something huge planned if all goes according to plan. Yeah. We're talking mm, about Thor Loving Thunder, which you could probably guess through our um, just the schedule when things come out. But there's a twist to it. So, yeah, mm. stay tuned for that. Actually, subscribe for that. It's really interesting. All right. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye.